Good morning. It's Monday, the last week of June, June 29th. Welcome to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Think about it. When was the last time you used actual cash to pay for something? The virus has accelerated our cashless society, and it's also accelerated the divide between those who depend on it and those who now live without it. The end of cash is today's one big thing. The pandemic has upended so many things in our daily lives, including how we pay for things. ATM use is down. E-commerce is through the roof to the delight of the banks that reap fees off every time we use a credit or debit card. Contactless shopping is here to stay. But there's an important reality check here. This is creating a bigger divide between service workers and the people they serve. Jennifer Kingston is the business editor at Axios, and she's been writing about this. Here's some context. In the service industry, this is both interesting and pronounced. It's not necessarily the best thing for people who rely on tips. Cash tips, as we know, are always preferred. I read in the New York Times that at TGI Fridays, when a member of the wait staff gets a cash tip, they have to bring it to a back room, take off their gloves, wash their hands for 20 seconds, put their gloves back on, and then return to their jobs. That's how great the fear is that money could be tainted in this way. And that's despite the fact that health experts have since pulled back on guidance that cash can transmit the virus. Interestingly, the thinking has evolved since we first learned about COVID-19. At first, the WHO issued a warning about using cash. It did recommend that people uh, wash their hands after handling it. But there's been greater knowledge of how the virus works. And there's very little thought that you can actually catch the coronavirus from handling money. So that's probably been debunked at this point. But yet, we're all being as cautious as we can. And that's a problem for the tens of millions of Americans who either don't have or don't really use a bank account. It's as many as one in five American households. So now some cities are pushing back. In New York, where I live, Sweetgreen became, to the best of my knowledge, the first merchant to stop taking cash at its stores and only accept payment cards. And the city put a stop to that and said that they had to take cash because low-income people then couldn't patronize the store. The city of Philadelphia passed a law saying that all stores had to accept cash for the same reason. There have been other places that have done that as well. And it could be a growing trend as we see this continue. The bottom line here is even though the trend is against cash, places that won't take it anymore are shutting some out. And Jennifer says banks are the biggest winners here because of the transaction fees they get. One interesting fact, Nyla, I'm not sure if you know this. If you want to be kind to a merchant, pay with a debit card rather than a credit card because it costs them less money. Jennifer Kingston is the managing editor of Business for Axios. We'll be back in 15 seconds with Axios Insider. Today, how President Trump is now paying a price for what has always been his strength. Welcome back to Axios Today. Axios Insider is our sneak peek into our newsroom. Mike Allen is one of our co-founders. Good morning, Mike. Well, good Monday morning, Nyla. Mike, I wonder if you can connect the dots for us here. We've always talked about President Trump's message being to his base. But is that kind of like kryptonite for him now? Yeah, Nyla. So people have seen that he's sinking in polls. And people saw over the weekend that the president retweeted 
a video of a guy in a golf cart with a Trump 2020 sign screaming white power. The president's now taken that tweet down. But what we're seeing is he's paying a price for what always has been his strength. His superpower was this mesmerizing hold that he had on his political base. And he could say anything. He could do anything. And they just loved him even more. But now look what's happening before our eyes. It's like the president is a parallel universe with his base not connecting with the American people on the issues that they now care about most. And Mike, when you even see, for example, on Sunday, the Mississippi legislature saying they're going to remove the Confederate flag from their state flag. It's a perfect example. So what's happening? The nation is growing more diverse It's growing more progressive, and Republicans have been warning the president that the tough guy, non-inclusive talk works with his base, but that's not enough. But Mike, I wonder if there are people who are listening thinking there are people who agree with the president. Maybe they're not showing up in polling. There are. There just aren't enough. Uh, Jim Vandehei, the Axios CEO, said it in a great way. He said, yes, there's a hidden Trump vote, but there's not a 15-point hidden Trump vote. And that's what the president would need at this moment. Republicans are very worried about how to make this math problem work because the country is changing and it's not clear that Donald Trump is, can, will, or wants to. Mike, thanks for sharing your insights with us. I appreciate it. Now I have a great week. And as they used to say, I'll see you on the podcast. The pandemic is forcing colleges to make tough choices about what sports survive. And that debate over what sports to cut has energized a base of people who have long thought the NCAA model that prioritizes money and sports like football and men's basketball is broken. Our sports editor, Kendall Baker, walks us through how this pandemic is changing college sports. The perfect example of what's going on right now is University of Cincinnati cut their men's soccer program, which is going to save them $760,000 a year. They're paying their college football coach $2.3 million a year, and they're paying their football support staff more than seven hundred sixty dollars So you're, you're sacrificing the entire program, but you're paying support staff more money than you're going to save by doing that. So that's really uh, energizing a base of people who have long thought the NCAA model was broken and, and leaning way too heavily into the revenue sports of football and men's basketball and things like that. Do you think it's broken? I think it comes down to what is the mission of college sports. I think originally everybody would have agreed that the mission of college sports was to provide broad-based opportunities. You know, we want to use athletics to mold people into productive members of society. And I think as football has started to make more money and TV enters the picture and, and, and money gets involved, that mission, I think, in, in many ways has been corrupted. I think it's very hard to look at that and say there's not something very wrong here. Kendall, I wonder if we can talk about the Olympics. A lot of college athletes make their way onto the U.S. Olympic team. And I know the 2020 Olympics aren't happening, but what impact do you think this will have on the Olympics going forward? Huge, right? And I think that's another part of this and something that's often lost is college sports uh, and particularly Olympic sports are kind of our secret weapon in this country. Honestly, no other country has even close to what we have in collegiate system. Now you're seeing those sports that they played, that they went to represent our country on, that they won medals competing in. Those are the sports getting cut. Swimming, gymnastics, volleyball. If those sports programs start getting cut, the long-term impact, maybe we won't see it for one Olympics or two Olympics, but it will have a huge impact. Huge. 
here's why this matters. Cuts to college sports are forcing universities to reckon with money and the structure of the NCAA system. The choices they make will affect the next generation of America's most promising athletes. Kendall Baker writes the Axios Sports Newsletter. And finally, we didn't want you to start Monday without hearing this. The year is 2020, the number. Last night, the BET Awards celebrated 20 years and its debut on network television. The show got started with a star-studded remix of Public Enemy's Fight the Power that put the Black Lives Matter movement front and center. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Axios Today is a production of Axios and Pushkin Industries. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning, but for more news before then, you can check out our afternoon podcast recap. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening and stay safe.